Welcome to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Now your hosts, doctor and pastor of Grace and Truth Church in Amherst, Michael Caesar and co-host Johnny D. Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. And welcome to another edition of the What Is Truth radio show. Here we are in studio, a panel of people who have been searching the scriptures to find what is the truth. And we've been studying in the uh, fifth book of the New Testament, the Acts of the Apostles. And we're seeing how God is using his apostles to build his church. (coughs) It's Dr. Michael Caesar here in studio, along with my brother Mark Sassy. Good morning. And Kevin Deegan, good to have you here. Hello. We're with you every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Thanks for joining us. If you have a Bible, uh, pick it up and uh, oh, turn to the New Testament. Turn to the Acts of the Apostles. Today we're in chapter 17. A lot of interesting things are going to happen here, Brother Mark. Amen. Yeah, so let's see what Paul's doing on these journeys. So chapter 17 of, of the book of Acts, it has 34 verses in this chapter And it's broken down into paragraphs like all the other chapters. But, you know, the interesting thing about the book of Acts is it's an adventure of the missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. And he's got three missionary journeys. And he's going out. We saw Peter preaching early in the book of Acts. Here we're seeing Paul preaching. And he's traveling with Silas. He's traveling with Timothy and with uh, Luke. Right? Yeah. And... So here they go. They're they're continuing on, and chapter seventeen has a lot of interesting stuff. Now you were saying it's like an adventure, and and I'm just thinking about this now. Paul obviously is doing the Lord's work. He's serving the Lord, yeah. and a lot of people think it's boring having a relationship with God, but it it's an adventure. It is. It takes you to new places. It takes you to new cities. You meet new people. Things happen as you're bringing good news to them. So I, this is kind of neat, uh, Kevin. Uh, I, <laughs> You've traveled a few places. Yeah, and I, and I definitely have had some adventures uh, of all kinds, you know. So um, so I'm just kind of sitting here thinking of all the adventures that I've seen. I mean, just crazy stuff. And in those preaching. adventures, you praise the Lord in the fact that you see the Lord step in yes. and help and yes. take over situations that are beyond your control. Well, that's that's the best thing about it is by uh, going on mission trips and even people that just go, well, we're going to go help a missionary out. We're going to go do this, going to do that. Now, we do a little bit crazier stuff than that. But uh, but when you do go, that's what you see. You see God working in people's lives. You see, uh, you know, I'm thinking about events that we went to that we didn't know. I, I actually say when we the less control we have over the situation the more opportunity for God to show up because he wants to get the glory. Oh, look at what we did. Right. That's not what it is. It's like, look at what God did. And then that also helps the people that are doing the mission work or doing whatever kind of work. It helps them to grow because they actually are involved in the ministry, see God work and it builds your faith. Absolutely. When you see God show up, you know, it's like, what are we going to do? And then, you know, with this stuff, if you read through Acts 17 here, it's like, what are we going to do? Yeah. And when God shows up, things happen. And I always tell people, uh, you know, there's no formula for su- success. What you really need to do is figure out what, find out what God's doing. 
right. and get in on his plan. It's so, not our plan. So it's not so much there's a formula for success, but there's a formula for service. Yes. It's it's get up and 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 go. take a step of faith <laughs> yeah. and go. And there's the gospel is in go. And here these men are doing it. Okay. And, and the gospel is God's word. Amen. Right? Amen. So you're going out and you're giving out God's word. And one quick modern day example is just uh, yesterday or the day before, your wife had texted me a picture and said, remember this? And it was a picture of a lady kneeling on the other side of a fence. She was at an event and she was separated from the event out in the parking lot. And she's... She actually came up to me and another guy who was preaching there. We're preaching the gospel, the good news of Christ, that Christ died for our sins. And uh, she had grew up and part, been part of the Mormon faith. So she asked me, I remember her, she asked me a question. She says, well, aren't you aware that the Mormon church is the fastest growing religion in the world right now? And I said, well, you know, the Bible says that straight is the gate. And wide is the path, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. So having a big, fast-growing church, Jesus doesn't say. That's the words of Jesus there in Matthew chapter 7. That's not how you determine truth. Yes. If it's popular, does that make it true? No. Just makes it popular. And so then after that, when she realized, well, I guess that doesn't mean it's true, that church, then she's like, why are you guys out here preaching? And we talked a little bit, and she's like, well, I didn't realize that I needed to ask God for forgiveness. Amen. I said, you do, you have to ask. And she's like, well, will you pray for me? And I said, how about this? How about we'll kneel right here, right now. I'll start a prayer and then I'm going to stop. And then you talk to God one-on-one, just yeah. you, you ask him for forgiveness from, from, and we'll your, see heart. How the, yeah, yeah. from your heart. Yeah. And that's exactly what she did. And your wife just happened to take a picture of it yeah. and just reminded me the other day. So that's a real life adventure. Right. And everybody, anybody who's a Christian should should get up and go and speak God's word. Sure. And 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 if you've never done it on your own, okay, you'll have somebody to go with and guide you the first time. There will be a pastor that's done it and that'll go with you two by two. You go with that person. There'll be a missionary. There'll be a street preacher. There'll be someone. Someone took me out the first time. Anyone take you out the first time, Kevin? Uh, Somebody uh, kept asking me, and I got under conviction, and I told you once before, I I went four times, turned around because I was so scared. (laughs) (laughs) Went back to my, all the way back to my car. But uh, the the other thing that I always say is like, you know, Jesus said, uh, lo, I am with you always. Yes. And he's not going to send you out there. He's not going to have you go witness to his work. And forget about you. You know, I, I, I kind of ham it up and go like, you know, what do you think Jesus is going to do? Say, sure. good luck. I, I hope you do well. That's not what that's not how he works. He's going to go with <laughs> you. And he puts the words in your mouth. He brings to remembrance. I mean, the scriptures talk about that. You don't even have to worry how to answer people. Sure. You know, a lot of problems that people won't go is because well, I don't know what to I say. I don't know enough. What, what should I say? What you know, it's there are so many ways. Tell me your tell me your testimony. That's right. Sure. Tell them how you got sure, saved. Sure. You can yeah. always do that. If, if you've spent any time in a church where where the word is being taught, because that's what the pastor's supposed to do is, you know, teach the word, you know a lot more than someone out there in the streets. I didn't know anything out there in the streets. I mean, any any Christian who had been to church three or four times would know a lot. I could learn something from them. 
Yeah. Well, when, when you're sharing Christ with someone, yes, you talk about Christ. Amen. That's pretty simple. That's the focus. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's the preaching of the cross. So you talk to them about the cross and what happened at the cross of Calvary and sure. why Jesus did that for our sins. Amen. And, and you know, just go so from there. So it's an adventure. So let's, let's hit this adventure here. This is an adventure 2,000 years ago, and yet we see the same things going on today. Amen. Amen. So let's, let's do, uh, by paragraphs, let's do the first four verses here. Okay. In Acts chapter 17, the Bible says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. Okay. So in that section there, we see that they're traveling. You know, they go through a couple of cities. They end up in Thessalonica. Mm -hmm. And in the New Testament of the Bible, there's two books to the Thessalonians. Yeah. Thessalonians, first, right. first and second Thessalonians. And they go right away into the synagogue of the Jews. And that's a good thing that Paul was always trying to reach out to the, you know, to the Jews in the synagogue. And he went in there and it says three Sabbath days he reasoned with them. And not just about current events or some whatever. He reasoned with them out of the scriptures, it says in verse 2. And I really, really like verse 3. It says, opening and alleging, almost like, a, like an attorney would allege, right? That Christ must needs have suffered. So Christ is the Messiah. Yes. He's talking to Jews in the synagogue in Thessalonia about, hey, the Messiah has to suffer. Don't you know about that? Haven't you read? Or, or even for their sake, I'm trying to think, what is this, 50-something A.D.? And and I would imagine now that uh, word had spread to any synagogue from a traveling rabbi. You know, you got to hear what happened in Jerusalem about two decades ago. This guy shows up. He says he's the Messiah. We expected him to take over the throne of Rome and deliver our people. And instead, he suffered and it hung on a cross it doesn't make sense, at least to my natural mind. And Paul's trying to say, but this is something the scriptures wanted to show you. The Messiah was going to have the time to be a sufferer and the suffering servant. Amen. And, and so he's explaining things in the prophets that they overlooked. And he's proving it by the prophets. Amen. Good. So by the prophets, he's going into the Old Testament, there, the word of God, and, yes. which was given to the Jews, and so he's, he's going in there. I'm, I'm thinking about back in Genesis chapter 22. Okay, good. In Genesis 22, there is a picture there going on of the fact that when Christ comes, he's going to have to be a sacrifice. Yes. And in uh, Genesis 22, we've got a story of Abraham. And God tells Abraham, tells him verse 2 of Genesis 22, Now take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and go get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering. Now, that's, that's a big test of faith for Abram. Yes. And uh, this is his son, Isaac, that he loves. And God's telling him to go up to the mountain where I tell you and go sacrifice your son. And uh, he, he, verse 6, Abram took the wood, he took the fire, he took the knife, he had everything all ready to go. And... Um, 
his son was confused. In verse 7, his son says, Here am I, my, uh, my father. Uh, he says, Behold the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said in 22.8, Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And Amen. that's a picture of the Messiah that he's going to have to suffer for our sins yes. and provide himself as an offering. Yes, and that's that's um, one of the prophets. That's Moses writing in Genesis. Another prophet, Isaiah, would write it not even so much in a picture form, but in prose. And he would say, uh, this one will grow up before the Lord as a tender plant, has a root out of dry ground. He is despised and rejected of men. He's a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. Surely he hath borne our, and Isaiah is talking to the Jews, our griefs. He hath carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Talking about the sufferings of the Messiah right there Amen. in straight narrative form. So you've got a picture and a narrative in two different prophets. So Amen. And, Probably and, he could use those when he was speaking in the synagogue. Yeah, yeah, and there's some very <laughs> powerful ones that the Jews today, even today, are missing the fact that the Messiah had to come the first time and suffer. In, in Psalm 22, there's some prophecies here uh, where it says, "Thy they pierced my hands and my feet. Psalm right. 22, verse 16. Is not that talking about Jesus from 2,000 years ago? It says in 18, they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Exactly what they did at the foot of the cross. Exactly. And, and, and so there, now we've got three different witnesses in three different portions of the Bible. We've got the law of Moses, you've got um, the prophets, and you've got the wisdom book of Psalms. And there are all three of them speaking about a suffering Messiah. Amen. So Paul, again, he opened the scriptures. He reasoned with them out of the scriptures. Doesn't it make sense to you that the Messiah must needs have suffered? If he's going to be the lamb that's going to be the offering to take away sin, he's going to suffer the penalty of our transgression and our iniquity. So you've said before in the past, I remember you talking about the that there's a Messiah Ben Joseph right. and a Messiah Ben David. Right. That's right? what the Jews thought. There were going to be two Messiahs. Two yes. Messiahs. Yeah. But it's actually... Jesus, mm -hmm. who's Messiah Ben Joseph, the suffering Messiah, which we just looked at some of those prophecies. And you'll find that very strongly in Isaiah 53, yes, verses amen. 3 through 12. Yes. And the Jews avoid Isaiah 53, but as a Jew or as anyone, you need to read Isaiah 53. That's a great chapter. That's talking about Jesus. Yes. And so Messiah Ben Joseph is the suffering Messiah. Messiah Ben David is the conquering Messiah. That would be the second coming when he comes of Christ. Back. Yes. yes. Good, good. And on that note, uh, just a couple of things, because that's relevant for our day right here and right now. Uh, I came across this just recently. The scriptures, they have references eight to one about the second coming. That's correct. Versus the first coming. So there's, there's plenty of information about the first coming, the suffering Messiah. But there's eight times as many scriptures about the second coming, and that's what's coming next. Yes. That's what's coming yes. soon. There's 1,845 biblical references to the second coming of Christ. That's a lot of verses. Wow. 1,845 references. So, yes. so, and you know, I'm thinking about it in the big picture, Kevin. It makes sense to me because, yes, Christ did come. He, he did his ministry. He did come to his own. His own received him not. 
You know, he, he was rejected by most of his fellow countrymen. They finally said, crucify him. And that was the suffering first coming. But that was only three and a half years. When he comes back, he's going to rule for a thousand. Amen. It's a much bigger work that he's going to be doing then at the second coming. So there, there should be more uh, Bible references about the second coming. That's the bigger work that he's going to be doing for us. Well, they had the scriptures, and you yes. just pointed out that uh, if they studied their scriptures, they should have known. <laughs> Not only should they have known, yeah, good point. In Acts chapter two, are you saying they didn't study? Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, actually, I think later on in this, we're going to see what the real problem was in the next verse. Okay, we stopped at four. In verse five, we're going to see what the problem is. Okay, it was envy. Was emotions. Oh, okay. It was other things than the facts, because in Acts two, the preacher is preaching to the Israelites, the Correct. Jews, and he says, "You know, you your serves, they actually knew, they knew that they killed the Messiah. They oh, actually right, knew. Right. Save yourself from this untoward generation. Right, right. They were told. I, they yeah. knew, and they they saw the miracles. Yeah, and yet they rejected him." For what reason? Not for truth, because they had the scriptures that yeah. said that he was going to suffer. And they were the ones that made him suffer sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. So Pilate, Pilate said that he could see the Pharisees were moved with envy against Jesus. Yes, and, and that's here. Yeah. When, when he's preaching in Acts 2, he says, Pilate was going to let him go. And you guys, <laughs> you actually, you, yeah, you yeah. made Pilate Take Turn him. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. You turned him. against him. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and then we see similar things in Acts 17 here with, uh, you know, that they should have known. I mean, it actually says, uh, you men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves know. Bingo. They know. They knew in their hearts. They knew well, what they or, were doing. Or maybe, oh yeah, well that, that scares me. Sometimes yeah. I think someone knows in the mind but doesn't know in the heart. But if you know in the mind and you know, if you know in the mind it's wrong and you know in the heart it's wrong, that's like a a, a double sin. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. a double portion of sin. That's that's bad so stuff. So there were ulterior motives. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't for the truth. They're, I mean, they're refusing positions the of power. You know, we, we see... That there yeah. were people that had power positions, and it's like, hey, my power is more important than the truth. Well, can, right? can or I or whatever? Can I ask this? Sure. In our day today, looking at the average American, right? Uh, have we not all heard that there's a second coming of Christ? Is there not a Bible available you know, in every yes. Walmart and dollar store and such? And and how far back in time does this go? I noticed that uh, in uh, Enoch who was the seventh from Adam yep. back in the book of Genesis. Genesis 5. He yep. prophesied, and it's it's quoted in the book of Jude just mm -hmm. before Revelation. And I wrote down this verse. Enoch prophesied this about the second coming, and we ought to know these things. This is what he said. Uh, Enoch says, this was from uh, Jude verse 14. It's only one chapter. He says, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints yes. to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Against God. Yes. Well, well we, when, we, when I grew up, you know, I went to the Catholic church, a little boy that 
was born in 1954. I started going in 1959. And we heard about the second coming. And even I think movies will make a reference to the second coming, but almost as though it's a myth, like it's a fable from years ago and nobody believes it anymore. I mean... They're focused on the first coming Christmas with the baby in the manger. But you just said there's 1,845 verses in the Bible about the second coming. Yes. So I think maybe we're ignorant of the scriptures today or we just don't believe them or. Well, and some people have something else that's much more important than the truth, right? These guys here in Acts 2, the Jews, they saw the miracles. I mean, how can, in John 6, how can they turn around and say, what sign do you show that we might believe? <laughs> that's right. That's right. He just, just fed 5,000. Right. With, with two little fishies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I call it two little fishies. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, you know, so they saw that. And not only did they see that in Acts 2, verse 32, this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Mm. They saw him alive. Sure. Thousands of people. They witnessed. They saw him walking on the earth after he was after he was crucified. There is no greater proof. And they turned in spite of that. Can you imagine? You just said you to be doubly damned. Like, you know, you may fool everybody. Well, my problem is, you know, uh, my problem is well, the, the Bible verses, and this is the condemnation that men love darkness rather, rather than, than light, light because yeah. their deeds were evil. Yeah. That's yeah. the problem. They don't come to the light because the that will expose them. But you're not going to get through and by yeah. God with that kind of attitude because he knows your thoughts. Yeah. He knows your heart. Yeah. He knows what you're thinking. You might fool your, your friends. You might fool your neighbors. You might fool Yourself. your husband and wife. And yeah, and that's the, that is the saddest thing when you deceive your own selves. Yeah. Sure. That's the, really sad. The, the Bible mentions that and, and God has a call and he would call for anybody and everybody to return unto him, yeah. right? To turn unto God uh, and, and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Like it says in Acts 20, 20 or 2021, whichever verse it is. But he wants us to return. So let's keep moving on this chapter. There's a lot of good stuff here. This is Acts 17, and in verse 5, I'm going to go from verse 5 to 9. So verse 4, a bunch of people believed. Mm -hmm. Verse 5, the opposite, but... (laughs) Yeah, verse 5, but the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy. There we go again. The envy. They took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and they gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received." And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there's another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. So they're complaining. Verse 10, too. Okay. Just because it follows. Okay, verse 10. And, and the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, okay. who coming thither went un, into the synagogue of the Only Jews. Only because it's important to the story here. I mean, he went into the synagogue, caused all this ruckus 
by just telling the truth. And to, that's yes, all right? he did. That's yeah. all and, he did. And so he had to leave by night. And um, and what did he do? He goes right back into the synagogue. That's kind of adventurous. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but another thing that in verse 7, when they are making their complaint to the officials of the city, their complaint is a political complaint. It's a social complaint about supposedly what Paul and Silas were doing in the synagogue. But that's not what they were doing in the synagogue. In verse 7, they're saying they're talking all about politics and there's different kings out there and and we can't have a different king. We have to be loyal to our king. But in verse 3, all Paul and Silas were doing were opening the scriptures and saying, look, the Messiah had to suffer. The Messiah had to rise again. Uh, this Jesus who we preached to you, he's the Messiah. They weren't even talking about the second coming in a kingdom. They were talking about the first coming and the suffering Messiah to be the sacrifice for sins. So they completely misrepresented it by turning that which is spiritual, spiritual into that which is political. I mean, how many times have you found that we're out uh, on a street corner preaching in front of a business. And I mean, my habit is to preach the gospel. I mean, I think the greatest need for the people passing by is to hear the fact that, look, we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. I sinned. I came short of the glory of God. Somebody told me about Jesus. He paid for all my sins. His blood cleanses. I confessed and received him. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then the business owner calls the policeman and says, I'm interfering with his business. I'm, I'm not even talking about his business. I've got nothing to do with his business. He's turning it into a political, legal event. I'm talking about something spiritual in his soul. Have and you what's ever... to stop him from lying when they call the complaining, because so that these, happens all the time. So these people or move with envy. such and such. They, they, and they claim that we're protesters. Yes. If you're out there preaching the gospel, they'll say, well, why are you protesting? I, I've well, had I'm people come up to me and go, you know, that the, your friend there just said such and such. And I'm like, I'm standing right here. First off, why don't you go to him, number one? Number two, I heard what he said. He didn't say that. What <laughs> yes. are you saying? And it happens all the time. Yeah. Now, I think sometimes people hear what they want to hear. You know, it's not that they're just making stuff up. But in this case, it seems like, hey, look, we know how to shut this preaching down. Okay. We know how to stop this Jesus stuff. Right. Well, that's the what they were doing. The Through Jesus. a political movement, let's stir the people up. That's what it says yeah. they did. Yeah, they, they cut a bunch of lewd fellows in the basement. They got some signs out there. They opened a van and they hit the streets <laughs> complaining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And the signs were already pre-printed. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've seen that somewhere. Yeah. Occupy yeah. Wall Street, Black yeah. Lives Matter, all that stuff. Yeah. We've seen it. And in verse three, when it says this Jesus is Christ, that's that's the crux of the whole matter. This Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And that's the message that's been going all the way through the book of Acts. Yes. They're saying, look, this Jesus that you witnessed, that the, you know, people saw him raised from the dead, people saw him work miracles, legitimate miracles. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. Sure. So the Messiah just isn't the spirit of Christ or an angel or an apparition. The, the, God chose to have the Messiah be a person because sin entered the world by one person. So God wanted to take care of the price of sin by another person, the God man. Yes. Yeah. And this thing about that Jesus is Christ and that preaching that goes through, uh, you know, it's this idea that. Uh, that Jesus was going to be king because they mention here in verse seven that there's only one king. It's it's Caesar, right? 
uh, saying there's another king, one Jesus. So they're saying that that interferes with Roman rule because you can't have Caesar as king and you can't have Jesus as king. Yeah, we're just about out of time on the yeah. first segment here. And and I'm wondering where they come up with that notion. And um, I, I've got a thought. I'll give it to you after uh, we return from the station break. But you're listening to the What is Truth program. And again, we're with you every Sunday and we thank you for joining us. And uh, if you like to hear the old programs or you want a friend of yours to hear a program that you think he should, uh, the best place to go is there's a church that sponsors us in Western New York. They're called Grace and Truth Church. I got, they got that name right out of the Bible, Grace and Truth, and then they put church on it. So all you got to do is go um, Google Grace A-N-D Truth Church. You got to put church there, dot O-R-G. Up will come the homepage. You can click the sermons tab. Up will come another page and then click YouTube and you'll be able to listen to the old What is Truth programs. Stick around. We'll be right back after the station break. Give me an idea on why I think they came up with this King issue. We'll be right back in a moment. Stick around. What is truth? What is truth? Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. And welcome back to the second half of the program. We have been uh, going through on a journey through a great adventure that uh, Paul took in Acts chapter 17 when he came to a synagogue in Thessalonica and he, he went in and he just preached that uh, using the scriptures that the Messiah had to suffer, the Messiah would die and rise again, and that Jesus is that Messiah. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of people got angry who were moved with envy. You remember that old, uh, it's in the Proverbs, there's a verse, wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who can stand before envy? Hmm. Envy has all kinds of tricks in the bag, and one of it is just lying. And they're lying, saying he was preaching about a new political movement, like a zealot and about a different king. And I'm wondering if perhaps when they were there in the synagogue, and Paul was, as his manner was, preaching and teaching, somebody raised a question and said, yeah, but I saw all those verses about the Messiah being a king. And Paul said, we don't want to talk about those. Now, what we want to really focus on is the first and the greatest work that he's doing, which is being the suffering Messiah. Yeah. And I think maybe he just answered a question and these guys heard it and they just turned it all around because people move with envy. One of the tricks they have in the bag is lying. They misrepresent that which is said. You've probably had it said about oh, you. It, it happens all the time. <laughs> yes. I'm standing right there and I heard what the guy said and the person comes and complains to me. He said such and such. And then they either mishear it or they're twisting it. Right. Right. You just need all I need is that one word. Right. And I can twist it. King. There you go. Right. So. Well, all right. Well, but, th that's that same. sort. Go ahead. But yeah. it, the, the thing, though, here's all this riot. Right. Yeah, it's a small over, riot. You're over right. what? Preaching. Over what? Well, First Thessalonians chapter two. Okay. Here we have uh, what they were doing. And this is what happens when you tell people the truth. They don't want to hear truth. Right. Sure. So but even after we had suffered before they suffered, they went for what? 
for telling the truth. Correct. All they were doing was reasoning out of the scriptures right. in a synagogue to people that were religious who claimed that they believed those scriptures. Yes. And all he did was point out things in these scriptures and it caused a total riot before we were shamefully entreated as you know at philippi we were bold in our god to speak unto you the gospel of god with what much, much contention. contention people now, were people, arguing and yes, fighting but but people say well you know you, you don't have the right spirit yeah you shouldn't Here, be contentious right. they weren't Paul, the ones contending the, right but, but, the but listeners Paul spoke were. with much contention yeah because as as it escalates you know uh, he was contentious for the truth. Amen. He was valiant. The Bible talks about being valiant for the truth. Yes. You know, when you attack the truth or, you know, people do that with their family, right? You know, I, I know guys that'll say, well, you, you can say whatever you want about me, but if you talk about my wife, okay, it, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, so Paul was valiant for the truth, for his Messiah, for God, for things that were good. And here he says, for our exhortation was not a deceit. We weren't lying, nor of uncleanness, nor of guile, but we were allowed of God to be put in trust of the gospel. Even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. You know what? God knows my heart. These people had no idea what his heart, you can't see in his heart, you can't see, was Paul trying to beguile people? Was he trying to be unclean? Was he trying to deceive, deceive people? No, he was valiant for the truth. And look at the reaction he got. He was shamefully entreated for the truth. But the important point is you may go through that stuff. You may get called names. You may go out and witness and, oh, you're one of those, those crazy Christians, you know, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But you know what? God knows the truth. God knows your heart. God knows you're not doing Amen. anything unclean or anything of guile. With all the junk that we got going on in this world, and people are worried about, oh, Preaching. he's got the black book. <laughs> Let's all run. You know, you just bring your, you, you, go, you go to work and you put your, throw your Bible on the desk at lunchtime and start reading, you know, everybody moves. Well, whenever, whenever somebody gets bothered by that, I'll just say, hey, the gospel is good news, right? Everybody right. knows Amen. it's good news. Amen. If it's good news, then that's a good thing. Why yes. does it bring such a reaction like that? Well, it, it brought a reaction like that when Jesus was on this earth. Yes. He had a contention with the religious leaders yeah. throughout the gospel of John, right? And why? Because they didn't want a ruler over them. Authority. They, were, they were the authority. Authority. Yeah. So yeah. I, I thought of this when I was looking at this chapter. The idea that Jesus was going to be king over the whole earth, it didn't sit too well with these non-believing, envious Jews. It also doesn't sit very well with professors and world leaders today. They don't want Jesus as the king. They don't want to see this millennial reign of a thousand years that he's going to bring. They want to be in charge. They want to be powerful and and rich. So there's the envy again. Yes. We want to stay in control. We're envious that this man is going to sit on the throne. We want to sit on the throne. Yes. We're envious that this man is going to take charge of, for a religious man, our temple, our church. We're in charge of this church or the temple. We don't need his help. We don't want his help. I mean, Please go somewhere down the road. Yeah. Isn't that called pride? Yeah. 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 Pride. So yeah. you're moving in on our, our piece of the action. Yeah. <laughs> Back about, off. That's about it. But the earth is the Lord's and yes. the fullness thereof is his. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and, and by the way, he's coming back to make all things right. 
I mean, it's going to be amazing when he comes back. Amen. Yeah. So here we are in verse 10, uh, Acts chapter 17, 10 through 15. It says, the Bible says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and they searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed, also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also, and stirred up the people." And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea. But Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. So they were; those guys were still so upset, the first guys, yes. were still so upset that we don't want you preaching that in our neighborhood we don't even want you preaching that in, the in their city. neighborhood. Right. And they, they, and they came, they the followed them yeah. over there yeah. just to cause problems. To the next now, what city. was the difference between the two groups? The first group, you had some of them believed. Yes. The second group, you had many believe. Amen. How come? Well, they because searched they the searched scriptures. The scriptures. Amen. To see right? whether these things were so. They checked it out for themselves. They weren't ignorant. They sure. weren't. It, it talks about that later on in this, in this verse about being ignorant. And they were for valiant for truth. They were for fidelity to God's word. They searched the scriptures. What would happen today if everybody in America would open their Bible and read it Amen. every day? Well, what would happen? A guy wrote a book about that one time. Oh, really? What was the name of that book? Uh, yeah, I forget. The, I can't remember the name of the book. Well, I'm just thinking the catch word story of, our, of our show is search the scriptures and you'll know. What is truth? Amen. Because they're the scriptures of truth. And so these men heard Paul. uh, It says they, these more noble, they, they heard Paul. They received the word that he was preaching with a ready mind. And then they went home and they searched the scriptures. Is this true? Did Paul just really quote that thing properly out of Isaiah? Well, look at that. That's what Isaiah says. That's what Paul just read to us. Look at that's what the Psalm says. That's what Paul said. They look at that story in Genesis. Oh, my goodness. Well, then how can we not believe? Because the scriptures are the scriptures of truth. Why would anyone reject the words of God? They internalized it. They yeah. didn't just accept it. They didn't come to church, sit in the pew and listen to the preacher and just go, oh, OK, that's what I believe. They went and searched the scriptures themselves, whether Amen. it be so. They internalized Amen. it. Sure. Okay. Personal. Like, yeah, I've had, I had a friend. He was using the wrong Bible. I sat down with him. We spent time. I showed him why I thought this is the word of God. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't go, oh, okay. He went home and he put this King James next to his NIV. I think he was using it at the time. And he compared them. Side by side. He searched it out. Yes. He wasn't ignorant. He actually put some time and effort into it. And he immediately came to the decision, hey, this is true. Sure. Well, we're told to study, to show ourselves approved unto God. Amen. It's the right thing to go home and open God's word. And I, too, I had an NIV. And I remember an old Jewish man who was saved. I had a King James. And he did a Bible study with me one day. And it was so different. I went home to my wife. I said, I got to buy that Bible he has. 
I got to look this up. And as I started comparing, I noticed words missing in the NIV, verses missing in the NIV. The truths were stronger and touched my heart much more in the King James because that's what God's word does. And I've gone through the same thing where I started reading an NIV and when a friend, uh, showed my wife and I about the King James Bible. We sure. were shocked that on that very day, we were just shocked. We stayed up till like three or four in the morning. <laughs> searching and, the scriptures. And we were searching and digging <laughs> and we were like, how could they change things like that? What are they doing? Right. And so it was a shock to Amen. us. But I find that it's not just, uh, I, I've heard it said before by a preacher. He said that the King James Bible is my final authority in all matters of faith and practice. Yes. So some people like these Bereans that were more noble and they searched the scriptures, they hear the word of God, they trust it as the word of God, they believe it that it's God's voice saying those things and it's his authority, Amen. right? But then there's other people that they heard this guy say this, some guy from another country or some guy in a synagogue or some guy in a church or some guy in the internet or whatever. And they heard this guy say this. And I ran into this early today, this morning. I had a guy saying, well, this guy says this and this guy says that. And I said, you know what? The Bible says in Jeremiah, cursed is the man that trusteth in man and blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord. Yes. Are you going to be like the Bereans and listen to what the Lord says? Or are you going to listen to some guy on the Internet? you got to make your choice. Now, if, now, if you go home and, and, and if he goes home tonight, that same guy, and he, and he takes the time to begin to open the Bible and you're not there. Yeah. And and he doesn't let's say use his computer, but he just looks at that book alone. Here's the promise that God gives that Jesus said the spirit of truth will guide him into truth. And though God wants him to know the truth too. Amen. He won't be alone at that time. Amen. I mean God convinced me, did he convince both of you? Amen. As soon as I opened the book, <laughs> I knew this was not just some book. So I thought you were going to go to First Thessalonians 2, oh, verses great. 13 yeah. through 15. Great that's verse. The, that's uh, where you're going great with that. Verse. Okay. But uh, while you're looking there, uh, let me just read uh, Proverbs uh, 2, 2. Uh, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding. How many people don't want to bother? Oh, it's too much work. I'm not going to apply myself. I'm not going to apply my ear. To wisdom. I'm not going to uh, apply my heart to understanding. And then Proverbs 25, 1 says it is the honor of a king is to search out a matter. Amen. Sure. Look, it's like, you know what? We, I mean, we, we were having a talk downstairs and stuff, you know, about certain things. I've been, I search, I search the scriptures. I search out words. I take, what does God mean about this? Yes, you amen. know, I read and I read. Sometimes it'll take me weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. You know what? It's like, it's like anything. It's like when I used to work. I mean, I had papers on my desk. I looked like the, you know, some kind of nutcase, you know, <laughs> papers everywhere in my file cabinets. I take piles home. Yeah. I read all of the uh, the documentation for the whole internet and stuff. It was crazy. Now that's study. I that's, studied. That, that's yes. more and than just reading. Yes. So, but we're to study to show ourselves approved on the God of workmen that needeth not to be ashamed. And yes. I also use that example. It's like, look, if I was a hunter, I would spend time practicing with my rifle. Right. I would probably have all the equipment. Yep. I would have a, a, a 
membership at the gun club or something to practice, I would apply myself. If I'm a fisherman, I'm going to have a $50,000 boat. I'm going to... You'd probably be wearing camouflage right now. Well, you know, I know guys that when I was working, it's like, I wouldn't know. It's like, where's John and Bob and Bill? They're not here today. All of those guys. Oh, they're... It's the first day Day of hunting. Okay. (laughs) So, and what do they do? They're workmen. So now I don't like to get up at 3 a.m., but I'll bet you all those guys, they are workmen when it comes to hunting. They'll get up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. They'll be out in the woods at 4 a.m. The sun's not even up in there. If I just interject, when you have a a preaching trip to make, you'll get up at 3 a.m., won't you? Yeah. You've gotten up to make yeah. some of those trips to Chicago and to Salt Lake City. So I know, but but it, it, it it's an adventure too, searching the scriptures. Yes. Because we're talking about Paul going through an adventure. God is with us. And and Solomon said, much a study is a weariness of the flesh. You get tired, you want to take a nap. But God promised, uh, Paul said, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, toward his word, where his name is found. And, and and this allows you to minister to the saints and you get ministered to by God. It's an adventure. It God is. watches when we, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro. He's looking for someone doing that type of labor and he moves right in. So I've always been blessed by the studies. I know you have. Well, like you said about the uh, the spirit, the, yeah. see the, John, John 6, Jesus said, my uh, words. My, my words, they are spirit yeah. and they are life. Amen. You know, if you want life, you need to come to the life giver, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. I am John 14, six. I am the way, the truth and the life. And I always say, you want to know the way? It's Jesus Christ. You want to know the truth? It's Jesus Christ. You want to know the life? <laughs> hey, it's man. Jesus Amen. Christ. Amen. But he says, uh, my words are spirit and they are life. And so people say, you know, going back to the, the Bible version thing. Well, you know, I have a hard time with the these and the thous. Look, you don't get this book by going to Bible college or going to a regular college or being an English teacher. It's not something you can learn in the flesh. It's a spiritual book Amen. and it's the Holy Spirit that opens the scriptures. There's times there, there are verses in here. I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading. I've, oh, I've, this is one of my favorite Psalms. I'm reading the thing and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa. How did that get in there? Yeah. Right. <laughs> the I mean, it just, just like jumps out and hits yeah. you right between the eyes. It's like, I never saw that before and, and because it's, like, it's a spiritual thing. And God has to open your eyes. Amen. On Amen. other times, Amen. there are people that are so, I don't know, I want to say wicked, but he says he puts slumber. He closes their ears. And understand they, they don't want to know. Yeah. You know, and this is the condemnation that men love darkness rather than light. If you want to know darkness... God will say, go ahead, have at it. And the good side of that is Jesus says, the the Bible says, they that seek him shall find him. Amen. Right? And and I love the beginning of Isaiah 34, in the very first verse in Isaiah 34. Now, we were talking about study, right? Yeah. And, And lots of study. Now, listen to this. Come near, ye nations. He's talking to the whole world. Yeah. To hear. That's like a first step, to hear. And hearken, ye people. Let the earth hear. He's talking about the whole earth. The whole earth needs to hear God's word. And all that is therein, the world and all things that come forth of it. And then you jump down to verse 16. He says, seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. Yes. If you read God's word, you will find him. Yes. Well, you you made me think of uh, Jeremiah 29. And um, 
you know, you're talking about this book is eternal life is a promise Amen. from yes. God Almighty. And he Amen. said he doesn't lie. He can't lie. Yes. And he promised us eternal life. So that's what I was saying before. When I read this book, I'm like, this is the word of God. It's like, I can trust it. If I can't trust this thing, how can I know I'm saved? Who how can, can I know trust? anything as, trust? Yeah. as far as spirituality and, and things like that? But in Jeremiah 29, the thing is, is almighty God is so interested in you. Yeah. He want he can't, you know, I tell people all the time, I ask him when you, when he was on the cross and they were pounding the nails into his hands, you know, they, they're pounding those things and they, they, they're abusing him, the suffering servant. Right. What was he thinking about? And people always go, the world. I go, no, he was thinking about you. Amen. You know, people never thought about that. I mean, I had so many people yeah. when they finally think about that, the tears come down their sure, face. Sure. They never thought God thinks about me. He God does. Cares. Yeah. God thinks about you. The personal he says, God. He says, yes. Every he, soul. He cares. Yeah. yeah. He cares. He understands. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. So many people have God backwards. They think he's an ogre or something, right? right? They don't want to come right. to him. He said, come unto me. He said, if you're a labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. Why don't you want to come to him? Sure, sure. Why not? He's coming he's, to a good God. And here's, here is the, look, try to call Joe Biden up and tell him, hey, Joe, I got a problem. <laughs> right? He'll say, you know how many I have? I was going to come to you. You're not even going to get past his front desk. <laughs> right. Right. That's my point. Right. God here says, for I know the thoughts I think of you, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken to you. Amen. He'll That's listen personal. to you Amen. and you shall seek me and find me and you shall search when you search for me with all your heart and I will be found to you. What kind of promise is that from the God of the universe? He didn't have to come down here and suffer and die. He didn't have to leave his heavenly home, a purse, a perfect place, a beautiful place, but he came down here and for me, there's a verse in, in the, in the Bible talks about being in a horrible pit. And I, I remember preaching at Mardi Gras and it was so vile that when you walk, your shoes stick oh, to the vomit oh, yeah. and, oh, the, and the alcohol the, yeah. on the ground. It's like <laughs> every time you lift your foot up oh. and you know what it made me think of? It's like I was, I was and in and a gutter pit, right? yeah. Yeah. and he came down here and there's, there's a guy in the new Testament, all these religious people walk past yeah. and one guy took care of him, put him on his donkey, paid for him. The That's good, what God did Samaritan. for you. Yeah. Sure. That's Amen. what God did for you. He came down here and he died for you. Amen. He suffered for you. And, He's and that, paid the price for your sin. And you, and, and you, you, you don't want any of that. Well, you're not interested in that. Well, well how, I, that boggles how, my mind. How do you, he says, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. Yeah. Right. Yes. And so how do you draw nigh to him? How do you get in on that goodness of that savior is to hear and read and study the words of the Lord. And before we leave this section about the Bereans who, who love to study God's word, you pastor, you've talked many times about Isaiah chapter 28 and how it's kind of a key to understanding sure. how the Bible connects together. Sure. Do you want to explain that? Sure. Well, yeah, what the Lord was observing again, they were in a synagogue here 
of the Jews. And back in Isaiah, they had the temple and they had synagogues all around the nation of Israel. And the thing that was troubling the Lord so much at that time is that my people, he said, have turned away from my word and they're actually enjoying the pleasures of life, that wine, strong drink, it causes error. The priest, the prophet, they're erring through strong drink. They're swallowed up of wine. They're erring in their judgment. Uh, they're erring in vision and judgment. And the question was, well, who can he, God, teach knowledge? Whom can he make to understand the doctrine of the Bible? Well, he said, first, you got to be weaned from the milk. You can't be two years old. You got to grow up a little bit. But then when you're ready, you look in the Bible and you learn precept must be upon precept. Amen. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Verse 13, the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept. You've got to search precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. You'll get a little piece of it in a Psalm here. I'll show you a little more in Isaiah here. I'll show you a little more in a New Testament verse here. And I'll let you build this truth and put it together and assemble it. But you've got, it's going to take a little work on your part. And if you say, well, I'm not going to do it. Well, your pastor will do it. And then Blessed are they which hear the words as he feeds you with knowledge and understanding. Amen. But you've got to come. Then you can go home and search and say, wonder, is that right what he showed in those three passages? Well, look at that. It all fits. So, yeah. so the Bible shouldn't be so complicated, right? No. There is a key, like you see here in chapter 28, about all these connections that God has put together throughout Amen. his books, right? And, and you just keep the focus that the book is about Jesus. Yes. There you go. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yes. It's like, why are you having a problem with faith? Well, you're not reading the word of God. Right. Right. Number one, Jesus said, <laughs> search the scriptures for in them. You think you have eternal life and they, they are, which testify of me. Like Remember you the, said, it's about Jesus. Jesus said, Moses wrote of me. Yes. yes. So that, it's all about him. It's not about your church, not about your baptism, not about being a good person, not about the 10 commandments. It's about Jesus Christ. It's him. He's the one. He did it all. There was a Colossians one says that we're complete in him. Yes. There's always people want to sell you something, right? I got somebody right now. He's trying to sell something to everybody. It's like, well, you're not really complete. You just need this one thing. I got this. I got this miracle cure or whatever. You know, it's well, like well, salesmen. God wants right? to give us something. But but you were saying before about the faith thing. So when the guy came to Jesus one day. Increase my faith. How can my faith increase? Well, you were saying right there, building it up on the words of God. Amen. That's how you'll increase your faith. Yes, and God uh, wants to give it. This is a free gift from above, brought down from the Father how, of lights. How can you know who he is if you if you don't Amen. read his word? Amen. This is a love letter from him to you out there, whoever's listening. Amen. This this is God's word to you. Just like, uh, you know, maybe you had a, a girlfriend uh, that became your wife and maybe you were separated. People write back and forth sure. back in the old days. Sure. Everybody didn't get married to somebody right in their own hometown. Sometimes they courted by letter. Yep. And you can get to know somebody Absolutely. by letter. If, if the so, person uh, puts the words on the page that are, that are from the heart and God did yes. that. Well, I remember, I never forget this, this pastor once said, you're as close to God as you want to be. Yeah, okay. And that's part of the problem. 
because maybe some people don't want to. They want to keep them at arm's right. length. It's, this interferes <laughs> with my lifestyle. Okay. Right. This interferes <laughs> with my whatever, you know. But you, if you if you want to be close to him, he said he'll draw yes. close to you. Yes, yeah. and, and you just have to walk outside on a beautiful sunny day and look up and realize the creation, the beauty of creation yes. all around us, and then realize that. In a King James Bible, you have God's pure <laughs> words where you can get to know yeah. the creator of all those things. And it reminds me of Psalm 33, verse 11. It says, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Amen. That creator that created everything around us, all the beautiful things that just work all in nature. So so our people today, we've got the World War II generation, the Korean War generation, we've got Generation X, Y, Z, God, the millennials, God's to all of them. Amen. He wants his word to be known. Amen. And, and we've been, again, studying. We, we love when you study with us. Next week, we're going to continue. This is a great chapter. Paul is now going to go to the university. He's going to go to Athens, <laughs> and he's going to talk to the guys at, at Harvard and Yale and all, all those professors. Ivy League schools. It's going to be very interesting. But um, God wants to talk to you. And that's why we do this program, this uh, program called What is Truth? Uh, Jesus said we will find that. He said, I'm the truth. And the scriptures are written of me, the truth. And that's what we're encouraging you to do. And we've run out of time today. I want to thank you for joining us. Come back next week. Uh, get ready in Acts chapter 17. We'll be picking it up in verse 16. And uh, go to the website, graceandtruthchurch.org. Uh, click the sermons tab. Click YouTube. Listen to the old programs. But until we meet again, listen, God wants you to have a blessed week. And you know how you can do that? Search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. You've been listening to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Listen every weekend at this time for What is Truth? Only on WECK. 